you're here with us today for the first time, I'd like to greet you. My name's Jay Duncan. That was my gorgeous wife, hashtag hottie, hashtag she's mine. And I have the great privilege of leading in the senior capacity here. You know, a lot of the little skit here that they did, so much of that really is, it is a foreign culture quite literally and figuratively, and the things that happen, the languages, the experiences that that happen amongst team members out there, serving people, getting our hands dirty, loving people into the kingdom, you just develop a bond that is lifelong, and you develop experiences that really nobody else, uh, we're all kind of sitting on the outside looking in until we jump into that and experience it. Well, what I want to do today is I want to talk with you for a few minutes this morning about being activated through God's global heart for the world, being activated by participating with God's global heart. If you're here with us today for the first time, we've been in a series literally for about two months now on the topic of activation. And the key thought or the key thesis behind this series very simply is this, that you and I have been created to become something, to become someone, and there is something very unique that God has put in the heart of every single one of us to accomplish in the earth before we leave this earth. We've been given gifts, we've been given talents, we've been given passions. God has put those things in our heart for a divine reason. I love this verse in Philippians 3, where it begins in verse 12, 13, and 14. And Paul essentially says this. He says, I am chasing after God to find out the reason why he chased after me. That's powerful. I want you to think about this. He says, I am in hot pursuit of God so that I can apprehend or so that I can put my hands on the very reason why he chased me down. The word apprehend there in the Greek is a word that literally means to chase down a criminal like a police officer chasing down and apprehending a robber or a criminal, scripture says God chased us down. And I can think about the way that he chased me down. And if you think about your experience, how God saved you, how he pulled you out of a life of darkness and despair and brought you into life and brought you into the kingdom of light, he literally chased you down and he did that for a reason. And that's our destiny. And that is what we are being activated unto. And we'll stand before God someday and he'll ask us, what did you do with the passions? What did you do with the talents? What did you do with the gifts? What did you do with the opportunities, with the community, with the experiences that I gave to you? How did you leverage them to fulfill the destiny that I put in your life? And there's many things that we can utilize as tools to help us become activated. So I wanna wanna go big and then I'm gonna narrow this all the way down to us. And if you'll begin with me today in Psalm 67, I want to begin in Psalm 67, and I want to talk about how God's heart for the world activates us. Let me say it another way. You and I have a role in God's story, and God's story is global in its scale. God's story is not limited to the narrow, finite world that we have created. God's story always involves the entire world. God's story includes nations and generations. In fact, what we do now echoes through eternity. What we do now not only affects our children, but it affects our grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren. And what we do now actually touches nations around the world. 
Recently, as I've been thinking about my purpose, I've been thinking about being activated, I've been wrestling with God about these things, and I felt like God has revealed four very specific things that I am waking up to on a daily basis, honing in on, praying into, setting my mind upon. Number one, every day that I live, from a purposeful standpoint, every day that I live, I want to glorify God. In my speech, in my action, in the decisions that I make, in the interactions that I have with people, number two, I want to become more like Jesus. Now, listen, this is so helpful because no matter what season or stage of life that you're in, you can make decisions to glorify God. It doesn't matter if things are difficult. It doesn't matter if you're going through a mundane or monotonous season of life. It doesn't matter if you're not where you want to be. You can choose to purposefully interact with the situation in life that you're in to glorify God. You can choose, I can choose everything that I'm gonna do today, I'm gonna become more like Christ. My attitude is gonna become more like Christ. My thoughts, my speech, my interaction with people. Number three, I want to advance his kingdom. Purpose statement, destiny statement. You can choose to advance his kingdom no matter what season or stage of life that you're in. And finally, number four, I believe that I can wake up on a daily basis and the decisions that I make somehow connect to the bigger purpose of actually discipling nations. Don't you know that God's story involves the discipling of nations to look like his kingdom? For his kingdom to invade the nations of the earth, and that is not limited to our city, it's not limited to our sphere, it's not limited to our nation, God's kingdom includes the entire created order. Let's look at Psalm 67 this morning, beginning at verse one. The Bible says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all of the nations. Verse three, may the peoples praise you, O God. May the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad. Shout for joy. Reminds me of a great book by John Piper. It's titled, May the Nations Be Glad. Let the nations be glad. For you rule the peoples justly and you guide the nations of the earth. Even now today, amidst all the turmoil that is going on in the world, God is guiding the nations of the earth. Every nation is under the sovereign rule and the sovereign command and the sovereign lordship of God himself. Every nation is important to God. Every nation has a prophetic history and every nation has a prophetic destiny. Every nation has something that it is called to become and every nation has something unique in the kingdom that it is called to do. Every nation has a unique contribution. Now, before you start tuning things out today and saying, well, I'm not called to be a long-term missionary. I'm not called to be a short-term missionary. Every one of us are called to missions. Every one of us. We are all called to God's global plan for his kingdom coming to the earth. We are all called to seeing the nations be glad. We are all called to seeing God's dream and passion revealed and fulfilled for every people group on the planet. I wish at a young age, I'm gonna tell my story here in a minute, but it wasn't until I was about 18 years old as a freshman at ORU that I discovered that God's heart beats and burns for the nations of the earth. And I am jealous for those, I'm jealous for my daughter. 
I'm jealous for our students, Harrison Baker going to Poland at 11 years old and then Juarez and then Guatemala and then Brazil and nation after nation because at a young age, he caught revelation that God's heart isn't just for our tiny little sphere. God's heart is for the world. And it is amazing when you experience the world, how much bigger you begin to dream. It activates bigger visions. It activates a greater faith inside of you. It activates a deeper compassion and a deeper solidarity with humanity and a kindness towards those that are suffering. And I'm jealous for those who've had that experience at a young age. And that's why I am so passionate about creating a house where every single one of us have an opportunity to connect with God's global story and find our unique place in it. Let's keep reading. Verse five, may the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. And then the land will yield its harvest and our God will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. This is God's heart. God's heart beats for the salvation of the nations. God's heart beats for the kingdom of God being fully manifest in all the nations of the world. God's heart beats for solid education to come to rural parts of the world. God's heart beats for poverty to be eradicated, for blessing and fruitfulness to come to people's lands for godly government to be established, for injustice and corruption and tyrannical rulership to be obliterated, for families to be held together and life to come forth and children. God's heart beats for that. Even now in this moment, we could speak statistically of all the injustices that are going on from human trafficking and sex trafficking. We can talk about the injustice of economic oppression and, and, and communism. The truth of the matter is, is those things do not reflect the country that we're called to. We belong to a heavenly country and we belong to bring the reality of that heavenly country to every nation and to every people group. They created in the image of God deserve the life of the kingdom that God has made freely available to all of humanity. Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter one. This is a very foundational scripture that you may hear quite a bit here at Antioch because it really forms the bedrock of a lot of our theology in Genesis chapter one, beginning in verse 26. Again, I'm gonna go wide and I'm gonna bring it down to every single one of us. Our missionary call, our invitation to be activated by God's heart for the nations begins not in Matthew 28, which is the great commission, which is where many of us assume that that's where our call to help disciple nations comes from. No, it actually begins in Genesis 1. Look with me at verse 26, if you would. Genesis 1, verse 26. And then God said, let us, speaking of the Trinity, God's Son and Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. Let me just pause right here. This goes for every human being on the planet. Known by us and unknown by us, Pakistanis are made in the image of God. Somalians and Sudanese, the Nepalese, the Chinese, those that are in Paraguay and Uruguay, South Americans, Central Americans, Nicaraguans and Costa Ricans and those father from, from Ecuador, they're all made in the image of God. See, you and I cannot accurately see God without each other because the kaleidoscope of the nations that come together actually reflect who God is. Another way I like to look at it is like this. God 
is so deserving of worship. God is so deserving of worship that just one people group was not sufficient enough to bring him the glory that he deserves. He must have worship from the Africans. And the unique and beautiful and splendid way and the exuberant way that they worship him. He must have worship from the Latin Americans. He must have worship from the Asians. He must have worship from the Europeans and the Caucasians because he is a global God. He deserves worship and glory from the nations. We're all made in his image. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Look at me at verse 28. God blessed them. See, I'm blessed. Look at somebody say, you're blessed. Now this is a blessing that is put upon the, put upon the DNA of all humanity. Every person who is living deep inside of our spiritual genetic code lie these four components of blessing. Number one, I blessed them and said, be fruitful. Number two, he blessed us to multiply. Number three, he blessed us to fill the earth and he blessed us to subdue it, rule it, govern it, rule it well. All the earth. It says that he blessed us to fill the entire earth. Now, at this point, nation states were not created. But he knew that when he created us, because God is sovereign, and he is before and above and beyond time, he knew, that at the, he knew at the very beginning of the creation of humanity that we would be dispersed into nations. And he blessed us to be fruitful in every nation of the world. He blessed us to multiply in every nation of the world. He blessed us to fill every space of this planet and to bring godly government and order, which the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where God's kingdom comes, righteousness comes. And you know what we're called to do? We're called to bring his righteousness to the uttermost bounds of the earth. Wherever there is not righteousness, you're called. I'll say that again, wherever there is not righteousness, you are called. And let's be clear here, as Christy, I believe, said this this morning, you and I may not be called to labor in the field of another nation for the rest of our lives, but we are still called to share in the labor of what God is doing in those other countries. My prayer for Antioch Church is that every single one of us would be so burdened and so impregnated and so moved by another country that every, you could, you just ask somebody, what country are you carrying? What country has gripped your heart? What country is activating you? What country has God sown into your heart? Every single one of us will be carrying someplace in the world in addition to the places that we are corporately launching teams out on a very regular basis. And I'm just here to tell you right now, what began as one youth ministry trip 10 years ago has expanded to multiple nations that we've touched, but you need to envision with me the day where there will literally be 30, 40, 50, 60 teams being shot out of this house on a yearly basis, on a yearly basis spreading across the entire globe. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 13. As we went big, I wanna go local. I wanna talk about us at Antioch, and then I wanna talk about you this morning. I wanna share a little bit of my story interwoven into these things because God has literally formed my life. He's activated me. 
There were things in my life that I didn't even know were there until I stepped foot on foreign soil. Melissa says it like this. Christy says it also. She says, Jade, you are a different person. You're just different. I mean, literally, the moment that the, moment the plane lands and I set foot, particularly in Asia, I can't even explain it to you. I'm a different man. And that doesn't mean that I'm not as passionate or I'm not as, as fiery here. It's just a different anointing comes upon me. It's an activation thing. It comes upon my life whenever I participate with opportunities to put my feet on the soil of other countries. In Acts chapter 13, this is the foundational verse here at Antioch Church. Beginning in verse one, the Bible says in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and there were teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, we got Africa there. Lucius of Cyrene, got the Middle East. Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, by the way, I think the Holy Spirit's talking to Antioch about doing some more fast. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I just, I just feel him pulling us into a greater season of pursuit. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Remember in the beginning of the year, our 21 day fast, the three corporate targets that God gave us were presence, voice, and assignment. I'm gonna charge you this morning, particularly as it relates to how we can participate with the invitation to be activated in the nations. I'm gonna charge you, I'm gonna call you this morning to get in God's presence. As the leaders at Antioch, they're God in God's presence. I'm gonna charge you in the presence of God to listen to his voice. And let me just say this, A.W. Tozer said something so powerful and profound. He essentially said that in order for us to hear God's voice, we must acknowledge our preconceived ideas and submit those ideas to the power of what God is saying. In other words, if you sit there and go, I'm not gonna call on the nations, you'll never hear God's voice to go. If you sit there and fold your arms and go, well, we can be reaching our own city, and you'll never hear God's voice to go unless he's got to just knock you upside the head like he did me. Get in his presence, listen to his voice, and you may just discover an assignment that reaches beyond where you're at right now. Antioch Church, you need to understand, and I'm speaking into the spirit of this house, we are not called to just low-level living. We are called to extend our borders. We are called to reach people in other continents. We are called to encourage the church around the world. We are called to engage with those that are persecuted around the world, our brothers and sisters. We are called to pray God's heart for the nations of the earth. That's what we're called to do. I'm calling this church to become a true Antioch church. Do you know that in the church of Antioch, it was an international church? And I'm praying and I'm believing and I'm envisioning that this house will be filled with the nations. I want Africans, I want more Africans in this place. I want more African Americans in this place. We want more Latinos in this house. We want more Europeans in this house. We need more Asians in this place. We need some good food up in here. <laughs> Come on. Huh? More Italians, more Europeans. I love it, I love the world. We need more of it here in this place because Antioch was a house that was filled with the nations. 
Some of you are called to go onto the campus of UCCS and find out all the foreign exchange students and start creating some ministry there. Some of you are called to certain demographics here in our city. Listen, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a Hispanic church. We're, we're, we have to. We have to. Multiple. When we have plants down in the south part of the city and we start touching Fort Carson more, that is a hub of the nations. And we have to have influence there in that place because it is a literal missions training ground waiting to be infused with kingdom DNA to be shot out, paid for by the government to bring the kingdom of God to the various places that they're sent. I'm telling you, church, Antioch was an international church. It was a global church. It was a sending church. Just like, here's what I love. Just like what Christy is proposing to us, they were constantly sending teams out and having teams come back and reporting of the work of God in other lands and other regions and other provinces. And those people that would come back, they would carry with them not only vision, they would carry with them the anointing of the people and the place that they were sent to and they would bring that back and it would expand the people of God at Antioch and they would send another team to another place and they would bring that back and that's what we must have, a constant transaction of life and anointing from the nations. I want you to know the nation of Costa Rica has something to impart into us. I want you to know the nation of Philippines has something to impart into us. They're gonna create a texture inside of us. The nation of Ghana, the nation of Sudan, they have something that we must have. How many are you with me this morning? Antioch Church is called to be a global church. It is called to raise up long-term missionaries. It is called to support financially works that are happening. We are called to raise up orphanages. We are called to raise up Bible schools. We are called to raise up ministry works all around the world. And this little group that you have right here, we can touch the earth and we will. Let me talk with you for a few minutes about four specific calls. Go with me to the book of Isaiah chapter six. Four specific calls. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet begins this particular chapter here in chapter six. And he's explaining a very significant period of time. It starts off in verse one. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. So there is a national crisis that is taking place that precipitates this encounter with God that Isaiah has, he says, I saw the Lord. He was seated on a throne high and exalted and the train of his robe filled the temple and above him were seraphs, angels, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet and with two, they were flying and they were just worshiping God. And they were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth, here it is again, God is a God of the earth. The entire created order is on the heart of God. It says the whole earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Don't have time to go into all the depths of this. I'm going somewhere, but look right here. Isaiah, when he sees God, the first thing that he sees in the holiness of God is his unrighteousness. And he begins to repent. And he says, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a 
people of unclean lips. Very powerful prayer principle there, identifying with the sins of the land. That's what Isaiah was doing right there. He wasn't just crying out for his own repentance. He was crying out for the repentance of a region, identifying with the sins of the people that God had called him to. And he says, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the angels took a live coal from his hand, taken from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth. And he see, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away. Now listen, it says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? The first call this morning that the Lord is sending out is what I call the call from above. There is literally a call. There is a call, there is an invitation from God, an invitation from heaven saying, will you not connect with my heart for the world? It has to be more than just a young man who's experienced life change because we can easily discount that. We must tune our ears in and say, God, will you reveal your passion for the world to my heart? It must come by revelation. I am praying into this house that there would be such a spirit of activation upon this house that it would be 100%. I'm not settling for 70 or 80 or 90 or 95 or 98 or 99. I want 100% participation with God's global heart for the world. Whether that means we're praying or it means we're giving or it means we're going, I want 100% participation here in Antioch Church because that's God's heart. It's God's heart. Listen, God's passion for our community and God's passion for the global community are not at war with each other. He holds them in perfect balance and in harmony and in tension with one another. There is a call from above. In 1995, God called me to go to Oral Roberts University. And at ORU, they have a missions chapel. The ORU missions program there sends about 300 students and 30 teams around the world every year. They've been doing it for 30 years now. When I arrived in 1995, I was a young kid who had a passion for the high schools of America. God set my heart ablaze As a senior in high school, when God gripped my heart for my school, I'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning and literally go into my closet and I would cry out for the names of students in my school. And so when I came to ORU, the only thing that I knew, the only direction I had was God have a burning passion to see revival come to every high school in this nation. So I had friends come to me and they'd say, Jade, man, we could just see you on the mission field. You ought, to, you ought to go on mission. Sophomores and juniors and seniors that I'd gotten connected with, they said, man, we just see you on the field. And, and I said, nope, nope, I know what I'm called to do. I'm called to this nation. I'm called to the high schools of America. I'm called to lead a youth awakening in, in, in America. And uh, they'd keep coming back to me to the point where I became so obstinate and angry. Talked to a couple of guys on my floor. I said, do not talk to me about this anymore. As you know, the school semester begins in September and ends in May, and we have a missions chapel in the fall, missions chapel in the spring. I fell asleep in the missions chapel. I fell asleep, literally. I was like, this is lame. I did. I was like, I don't need this, because I know I'm called America. America. (laughs) Hashtag America. right? In February... Second mission chapel took place and I just really didn't engage my heart. I'll never forget, guys. I was sitting on the uh, balcony. It's called Christ Chapel. And uh, really didn't, I, don't, I can't remember a thing that took place in that second mission chapel, but I can tell you as I was there worshiping the Lord, the worship leader was singing a song. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. 
If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my mouth, Lord. Speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And that was my heart. I loved God. I was just ignorant and naive and arrogant. But I began praying to God and singing, God, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And I heard the voice of God. And he said, go. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And I just started singing again, Lord, if you can use anything, go. I said, Lord, but where? And he said, go. And I said, but Lord, I haven't filled out an application yet, and the teams have already been training for five months. And guess what he said? Go. And I said, but Lord, how can I raise $3,000 with just six weeks of school left? And you know what he said? Go. And long story short, I got placed on a missions team four weeks before, four weeks. These guys have been training for six months, and I got placed on a team to go to Indonesia for two months. Two months. They said, raise $3,000. Go for it. Good luck. Get out there. Make it happen. God did a miracle. I brought in $1,300, and four days before we were to go to ropes course, which is our week-long training, I got called into the missions office. I needed 1,700 more dollars. And I, at that time, God had gripped my heart and I knew I was supposed to go. It was the summer of 96. And so we were sending a team to Atlanta because we had the Summer Olympic Games in Atlanta. And they said, Jade, you have enough money to go to Atlanta. And at this time I said, no, I know that God has spoken to me. Listen, this is why you need the call from above because it's, it's not just easy, right? The, the call to go, there's adventure, but it is not easy. And it's not just for adventure that we do these things. We do these things to make his name known in the nations of the earth and to disciple nations and to advance his kingdom. But I tell you, faith got activated in me when I heard the call from above. And in one day, someone came in and anonymously gave me $1,700. And on that trip... 9 a.m., the Muslim call to prayer. For those of you who don't know, in Muslim countries... They have a call to prayer five, to, five days a week. They have this big, loud speaker, and a you know, guy gets on there, and they just do their thing, and, you know. And if you're not in the spirit, you can get annoyed by it because you don't understand, and you don't have God's heart on the matter. But I was here in our base compound, and I was pray, praying to the Lord, and that Muslim call to prayer came, and when it came on, God shot through, and he spoke to me, and he said, son, I don't just love America, I love the world. And those words have literally marked my life. They marked my life. I came back the next year as a team leader, and a team leader, and a team leader, and went to Mongolia, Siberia, Philippines, Malaysia, Thailand, Germany, and just gave my life because I heard the call from above. Christy and I were young youth pastors when we first got married, making $18,000 a year, both of us up to our ears in school debt. And we heard the call from above and our church at a tiny hundred member church was a missions church. And we had missions pledges. And the call in that church every year, they said, I want every single person to give a missions pledge every month. And we started out at $10 a month because that's all we could afford, $10 a month. But we were faithful to that missions pledge. And as we would increase and we'd pay things off, we would increase that from 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 50, 50 to 100. And at our little meager salary, we were giving $250 a month to missions in addition to the tithe. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to say when you get gripped by God's heart 
And when you hear the call from above, it will change the way that you live your life. It will change the priorities of your life. But there's also another call. It's called the call from below. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19. And for the sake of time, I'll just explain some of this story. This is called the call from below. I want you to know this morning that there are people, there is a very real hell church. I know nowadays it's not popular to talk about hell. I know nowadays there's a lot of universalist language and how could a loving God, and I don't have time to get into the theological ramifications of this argument, but I want you to know biblical scripture is very clear. There is a very real hell to shun and there is a very real heaven to gain. And it is not God's choice to cut us off. It is our choice to reject him. And I want you to know it is not a place that was destined for us. It is not a place that you want to be. It is not a place that we want others in the family of the brethren of humanity to be. Luke chapter 16, we see a story of a rich man. Beginning in verse 19, it says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And at his gate was laid a man, a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores. Longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table, even the dogs came and licked his sores. And the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and he was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away. And Lazarus by his side. And so he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things. Lazarus in his lifetime did not. And besides all this, remember, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Now watch this, verse 27. He answered, then I beg you, father, send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers and let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. There is a call from below. There is a call that is emitting from the depths of the earth to the depths of hell from people who are experiencing real agony and real torment. And I believe that if we could listen to the cries of hell, they would say, go to my father's house, go to my mother, go to my friend, go to my neighbor. I missed my opportunity. There was a call from below. Remember a story many years ago I heard, there was a doctor and he was doing a procedure on a man and this man kept slipping out, in and out of consciousness. He'd be on the table and he would come back to place of consciousness with a look of utter fear and agony on his face and then he would slip back to a place of unconsciousness. Come to find out as the doctor was working with him and, and, and performing surgery that this man was actually visiting hell. He would come back and he would cry out, help me, help me, with utter agony. And then he would slip back into this place of unconsciousness. The doctor was not a Christian or a God-fearing man, but he remembered many, many years ago, there was a friend that took him to Sunday school and he had remembered deep in the recesses of his subconscious memory, he remembered. Someone said, if you call upon the name of Jesus, you'll be saved. 
The doctor thought to himself, if this man comes back, if I have another moment, I will tell him quickly, call upon the name of the Lord. And sure enough, this man came back and he screamed, help me, help me. The doctor said, call upon the name of Jesus. And he did and he came back to a place of life. Friend, I want you to know that now in this moment, there are people who made wrong decisions. Maybe they didn't have someone coming, sent, hearing the call from above or the call from below. I'll never forget a story I heard Keith Wheeler share. He's going to India. Carrying the cross in India. It comes upon this lady there in the river. Those of you not familiar with the religion of Hinduism, it's a very violent religion. It's a religion dominated by fear. It essentially says that you must, to your own detriment and to your own hurt, sacrifice even your family members to appease gods, gods of fertility or gods of rain or gods of abundance on the land. Keith comes and he shares a gospel with this lady with tears in her eyes. She said, why did you not come sooner? For she had just recently drowned her baby in the river to appease the river gods. I'm, I'm here to tell you today, church, there are people that are steeped in bondage. There are people living in utter fear, demonic spirits. I've not heard the call. This leads me to my third call. It's called a call from within. Go off into the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse one. In Romans 10, one, Paul begins and he says, brothers, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their knowledge is not based, or their zeal is not based on knowledge. Look with me at Romans 9, Romans 9, verse 1. Paul again speaking here, he says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying, for my conscience confirms it. In the Holy Spirit, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race. Listen to Paul. Paul is experiencing the call from within. He's experiencing something within his own spirit, in the depths of his spirit, He's beginning to identify in the depths of his own spirit something calling to him. Paul, you are called to a people group. Paul, your brothers, the Israelites, they are in darkness and he begin, it begins to consume his life. Even though he's called to the Gentiles, there's something inside of him breaking because he knows that his own people who are called by God to be in relationship with him are cut off and he's experiencing this call from deep within him. I want to ask you today, church, is there a call from within that you can hear? If you would silence yourself long enough, would you hear deep within your spirit a call? Maybe it's a call to a neighbor. Maybe it's a call to an international group of people here in this city. Maybe it's a call to a family member. I believe that if we would still our spirits long enough and if we would push away all of the demands and all the distractions and all the things that we need and all the conveniences, I believe that if we would still our hearts, God would say, I'm calling you. Go across the street to your neighbor and welcome them to your neighborhood. 
or go across the aisle to a cubicle and invite someone to lunch and you would hear a call from within. Listen, I want you to know that you know, those ideas, how many of you guys have had ideas like what I've talked about? Oh, maybe we should you know, give a gift to uh, our neighbor for Christmas or maybe I should participate in this particular, not an organized outreach, just you stepping out and you connecting with someone else, or maybe you're, something on the news is going on and you're starting to feel your heart burden for another country, that is not the devil. When you're burdened to pray, pray for them. When something captures your heart and you wanna give, give. And I'm here to tell you today that is you learning how to listen to the call from within. And finally, guys, there's a call from without. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 16. At some point or another in my journey, I've touched on some of these things. Not quite like what we're gonna experience here in Acts chapter 16, but I have felt in my spirit the call of certain nations crying out to me saying, will you come? And it's our heart in Antioch Global Missions We don't want to just kind of spin the wheel and throw a dart in a map and find the next coolest place. We're crying out and we're saying, God, we want to hear the call from without. We want to hear the call from beyond. We're opening our ears and we're listening from the call from above and below and from within. And we're saying, God, is there a nation that is saying, Antioch, send someone to us? Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I wonder if we would get into the heart of God and ask God, I wonder if we would actually see the faces of North Koreans saying, would you come or would you pray? I wonder if we would see the faces of Muslims saying, would you pray that we'd have an encounter with Jesus? I wonder if we would see the faces of those that are in war-torn Africa saying, would you send, would you come, or would you encourage, or would you pray all around the world? There is a call from without. On that trip to Indonesia, the last day that I was in the country, my team and I went to a restaurant called Planet Hollywood. It had an hour-long wait. It was one of the first real American meals that we had gotten while we were in that country for two months. The next day, we were boarding a plane to go back home. Went into that bathroom of Planet Hollywood, and in that bathroom, they have attendants who clean up the restroom and just make sure that it's spotless. And as I was in that restroom, they had this huge basket of stuff just all kinds of products and things. And I was combing my hair and paying attention to me in the mirror. And here's this young kid, he's 17 years old, and he's practicing his English with me. He's engaging me in a conversation. And I'm being trite and I'm being quaint and I'm asking his, I'm answering his questions, but I'm not really engaging with him. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and he says, this is a divine moment. Ask him now if he knows Jesus. I have no idea how I heard that, but I did (laughs) so caught up with wanting to get home the next day and enter back into my world of comfort. 
So I leaned over, I said, I said, what's your name, friend? And he said, my name is Sans Fran. And I began to enter into a conversation with him. And 45 minutes later, after explaining the gospel, start to finish, multiple ways, I said, Sans, I said, do you want to know Jesus right now? He's a Muslim kid. He'd never heard the name of Jesus before. And he looked at me and he says, yeah, I, I want Jesus in my heart. I said, all right. And so right there in the middle of this bathroom in this restaurant in this capital city, I grabbed his hands. People are coming in and out of the bathroom. Air, hand, hand air dryers are going. Toilets are flushing. And I, gra- I, didn't, I just didn't know any better. Didn't know any better. I just grabbed his hands. I said, repeat after me. And I led him in this prayer. And as I'm praying for him, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, there is no way. There's so much distraction going on. He can barely understand the language I'm speaking. And as I'm praying, I open up my eyes after we say amen and tears are streaming down his face. And he says, what is this? I said, what is what? He says, what is this? He says, I feel heat. I feel like there's this fire in my belly. I feel like I feel like all the weight of the world has been lifted off of me. I feel the peace that I've never experienced in my life. And I looked at him, I said, Sons, that's Jesus, and he's just invaded your life. And I wonder, I wonder that throughout my journey, if there were moments where God was showing me this young man's face, I wonder if I had stopped and I'd listened, if I would have seen the face of a young 17-year-old Muslim boy that was calling out saying, somebody, come to my nation. And I know that right now in this moment, there are people all over the world. You might just see the face of somebody off the Amazon in Peru saying, would you come? Because here's what I know. I've talked with, I've talked with hundreds of people around the world. And some people... I believe, that, I believe that not only is there a God-shaped vacuum in every heart that only God can fulfill, I believe that God also has unique instruments that he uses. And I could tell, man, I could tell that there were some people that I was the instrument for their life. It was like I fit the, this who I was and the way that I could explain the gospel and the way that I could love on them and pray for them and connect with them. And I've seen some people that I could never get into their lives, but I've seen team members. And I could go through stories even of many people from this house connecting with the lost around the world because you are uniquely made with a unique call, with unique gifts, with you, even the way you look, it's attractive to certain people and their heart will open up to you. Today, I wanna pray for you because I'm here to tell you today, I'm here to tell you and I believe this with everything inside of me. It's not just about going and saying, oh wow, they live so poor and I'm so spoiled. That's not what we're talking about. What I'm talking about is there is literally something when you engage with the people of God from around the world that something is unlocked in your life. There is an anointing, there is a faith, there is a compassion, there is a boldness, there is a courage that literally become, it, it, it is activated when you choose to partner with God, his heart for the earth. I want you to stand this morning with me if you would. And I'm just gonna pray just a sloppy powerhouse prayer over your life. I want you to throw your hands up to the Lord. And if you would hear, if just even right now, if you would just say, here I am, Lord, send me. 
You don't listen, you don't have to be afraid of that. God, I pray right now for this house that you would transform Antioch into a missions house. You would transform this house from just a fledgling group of people that go out on short-term teams. God, you would transform us to where on a daily basis, the people of God at Antioch are listening to your call and hearing your voice to participate with you in advancing your kingdom around the, around the world. God, I'm asking you today that you would create such an anointing of activation and awakening in this place that in the worship times or in the small group times or in our time alone with you or hanging out with a friend at coffee or whatever the venue may be, that you would create such an awakening and an activating anointing in this place that we would hear the call from above and we would hear the call from below and we would pay attention to the call from within and we would see the faces of the nations beyond. God, I pray, speak to us. I prophesy, God, that you would send church planning teams from Antioch Church to the nations of the world. I prophesy orphanages that will be built by the hands of people here at Antioch. Babies that will be prayed for and healed. The sick, God, healed through the church at Antioch, God. Spirit of the living God, I pray that you would, you, would, you would insert a nation into the heart of every single one of us. I hear the word, I hear Scotland, I hear India, I hear Burma, I hear Japan in my spirit. God, even now, if we would reach up and grab them, there are nations that he wants to cloak us in. Croatia, Serbia, Ukraine. And God, we're asking you to sow your heart for the world into us. We're asking you, God, to show us what our role corporately and individually is in your global plan for the world. And maybe it will begin on a one-week trip to Nicaragua. Maybe it will begin on a two-week trip to Peru. But I'm asking God, whatever venue you choose, that you would set us up for a life that is beyond limits and a life that participates with your passion for the world. God, cause our feet to cross paths with those even in our city that are from the, from the borders beyond. God, I'm asking that you would give Antioch an anointing of favor with international people. I'm asking you would fill this house, God, with Africans and Latinos and Asians. And you would fill this house with Europeans, God. Fill this house. Fill this house with the nations of the earth. We want representation from every nation on the planet. God, we're asking you today, transform our hearts. God, even here in this moment, if some of us are a little cold or callous to this idea, I ask that you would do with them what you did with me. I'm asking, God, this is not just an experiential journey. This is your passion. This is your heart. And I'm asking you would do for this house what you did for me, and you would baptize us into your heart for the world. And you would speak to us, and you would awaken us, and you would give us revelation. So as we close today, your word says that my house will be a called house of prayer for the nations. So God, today we pray for the nations of the earth, God. Pray for all of our Muslim brothers and sisters around the world. Jesus, would you, would you invade them? Would you visit them in their dreams? Would you show them visions? Would you reveal to them Esau? Would you break the spirit of rejection and orphanhood off of them? Oh God, would you pour the spirit of sonship out upon our Muslim brothers and sisters? 
Would you reveal to them, God, that the sons of Ishmael are are brothers with the sons of Isaac and they belong to the family of God. Spirit of the living God, we pray for every Muslim in our nation. God, that you would would invade them, that you would surround them with bold laborers. You would surround them, God. You would hunt them down. You would apprehend them with the powerful love of Jesus. God, that you would remove hate from their heart and fill it with the holy love. You would turn them in like you did to Paul. You would turn them into some of the greatest church planners and some of the greatest apostles the world has ever seen. God, we pray for the nations of Asia. Spirit of the living God, pour your spirit out in Korea and Japan and China and India and Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Laos and Cambodia, Burma, Nepal, Bangladesh. God, pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out upon Thailand. Strengthen the church and the nations of the world. Strengthen our persecuted brothers. Those, God, that are literally living day by day, fighting for their lives. God, I pray, give them a fresh revelation of the worth of Jesus. Friends, Jesus is worth it. God, we pray for our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church. We pray for a greater revelation of the worth and the beauty of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, strengthen our brothers. For every weary missionary, for every tired pastor, strengthen their heart. Send them resources. Send them help. Send them encouragement, oh God. God, we pray a revival in the nations of Africa. Pour your spirit out. End injustice. Break the ranks of tyranny off of Africa. Set them free to be the beautiful people of God you've called them to be. God, I pray that you would redig the wells of revival in England and in Scotland and in Spain and in France and in Portugal, God. Oh, God, would you redig the wells of the Wesleyan revival and the first great awakening, God, and the, God, pour in the Welsh revival, God. Pour your spirit out, God, on the nations of Europe again. Spirit of God, I pray that you would intervene in the Russia-Ukraine crisis. I pray that you would intervene uh, in Israel and Palestine. I pray, God, that you would intervene in the situation with ISIS right now on Syria and Iraq, God. Spirit of the living God, bring your kingdom to the nations of the earth. We tell you today, God, we care about what you care about. We care. We care about the future of the nations. We care about the destiny of the nations, oh God. I pray you infect us. Now here before we close, if you're called to long-term missions in some capacity, I know the Kunkels are here from China. Throw your hands up, Dustin and Lauren. If you know that you've been called or if you're here on furlough, if you're called in some capacity to the nations on a long-term basis, I want you to throw your hands up. I want to pray for you right now, God. Every missionary here, Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, I pray your grace upon these these missionaries, oh God. I pray your favor. I pray your comfort. I pray your encouragement. Yeah, church, just rally around them. Do what we do here at Antioch. Rally around them. Put your hands on them. Begin to prophesy into them. Begin to pray with them. Begin to encourage them. Oh, Spirit of God, encourage my friends, Ellen and Karen and Monica and, and Jared and Dustin and Lauren and Tori and June Bell, God, and Lindsay Irwin, oh Spirit of the living God, put your hands upon my friends today. Put your hands upon their life, oh God. Give them dreams, give them visions, give them strategies. Even now, God, bring a support base to their life. Uh, heal their marriages, heal their hearts, heal their physical bodies, God. Reveal to them their plan, your plan for their lives, for the nations of the earth, oh God. We bless them today. 
We cover them today. We support them and rally around them today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I bless you, Antioch, today. You're a good house. You're a great house. You're called to great things. You're a missions house. You're a missionary house, local and global. You're a missionary house. And so today I bless you for your journey this week, for it to be victorious and glorious. And I send you into the streets of this city and I send you into the fields of this city and I send you, heaven sends us today. There is a word that you have this week for someone and I bless you to find them and to give it to them and to bring life to the weary in Jesus' name. Come on church, clap your hands with victory in the Lord today.